Howdy, folks. Welcome to We'll See You in Hell. This is the podcast where you get the stuff and the juice and the fat on, uh, you know, horror movies and sci-fi movies and fantasy flicks. <laughs> All the juice and the fat. And the stuff. <laughs> Which would you define as the grossest of those three liquid substances? Well, I mean, I, I've never heard fat described as, as something people want from a podcast. I, yeah, give us the give us the meat. Well, the meat, sure. The fat is not wanted. Let's chew the fat. That's what it was. We're chewing the fat because it's a talking thing. Does the expression chew the fat come from like a guy sitting on the porch after a steak dinner, ch- literally chewing the fat while he talks to a friend? I would imagine. That's probably what it is. It's disgusting. I don't know why it's got to be on a porch. It oh. could be in in the house. Look, if my husband was uh, chewing fat in the house, I'd send him out on the porch. I'd well, also be it, living an entirely different lifestyle, but that's neither here nor there. Be a man doing it. I don't imagine a lot of women are chewing the fat <laughs> out on the porch, but maybe that's a sexist attitude. I don't know. Um, somebody t- t- uh, wrote to me today online. I never thought I'd say this, Joe. I love the podcast. I never thought I'd say this, but you're the more moderate of the two. I, and I didn't understand if he was saying that I was moderate and you were more liberal or if I you were more conservative than I and I was more moderate. I didn't understand. But that, that the person also did think it was very funny that we argued about Dennis Miller needing to be more balanced in his career. Oh, I saw that. I, that, that gentleman uh, tweets at us frequently and it's very funny. I think he is a, a right-wing guy. Oh, so, so he's surprised that I lean a little closer to him as a moderate? Is I that the? think so. I think I he's probably views me as more liberal, which I am fine being in that position. That's fine. I don't I don't hate the term moderate. I really don't. Now, did you see today uh, Kanye West takes to Twitter with a MAGA hat? Uh no, he did. MAGA hat signed by Donald Trump, <laughs> what appeared to be a child's signature. <laughs> and then it, he's tweet, you know, he's tweeting three times a minute. He's back in uh, full manic episode mode, but and and he gets people talking about him. I mean, he's a he's a provocateur, but I I don't think this is like I'll say I'm pro Trump to get people looking at me again. I think he's very pro Trump. But um, yeah, right after he's doing it, then he's like, "Hey, just got a call from my wife. She wants me to be very clear that I don't agree with everything Donald Trump says." <laughs> I was like, Kim K. You're you're doing your job here. <laughs> I would hope if I uh, did that that my lady friend would uh, call me on my bullshit. What world are we living in when when Kim K is now the voice of reason? I'm going to tweet her and say I'm surprised you're the more moderate of the two. <laughs> um, yeah, or the less moderate of the two. Yeah, it's uh, I, I well, hope moderate he's doesn't right. mean right wing, right? I don't know what anything means anymore. I think it just means like you kind of play it up the middle a little bit. Right. Which is how I've always played it. <laughs> up the middle. and Whatever I do. Yes. Yeah. Uh, real quick. Let's just get on with the show. And also, on with the Joe, baby, I love you way every day. I think you've done that one before. I never have. I was singing it while you were setting up the audio because oh. somebody requested it on Facebook. Oh, okay. I, I believe it was Mick Mac, which is certainly not his actual name, but he goes by Mick Mac. And that is that is the actual Mick Mac that started McDonald's and That's invented right. the Big Mac. And another fun fact, his last name is Paddywhack. 
folks, give a dog Woo. a bone, would you? <laughs> um, yeah, I I had uh, well, I, I yeah, there was a, a uh, girl who was like a, a newcomer, I guess, to the thing. The group, the Facebook to, to group? the Facebook group. Okay, and she was from like Dubai. I wish I could find. I think it was Dubai. Wow. Um, you know, she was like, uh, my favorite part is the on with the Joe. You can really tell how much the boys love each other during the on with the Joes. I was like, very nice. That's nice. Maybe she can get us into the Illuminati over there. We're even hitting the Dubai model circuit. You you think? Or it was a bot. I don't know, but isn't that? I doubt a bot goes that deep into. That's true. And what would the bot gain from commenting on? I, th- I think everyone's a bot now. We got to get that, over to I, that I th- Dubai. That's because that's where everybody's going to go when the world is on fire. <laughs> I think I uh, talked about this on here. Maybe I didn't, but I I tweeted. Tell, stop me if I did. I tweeted uh, a year ago when the hurricanes were hitting uh, New Orleans. I was like, Fox News had just confirmed that the hurricanes are in fact Muslim, right? And uh, some like House of Representatives of Louisiana retweeted this and was like, "Here's what a, a Hollywood liberal finds funny: <laughs> the death of thousands of New Orleans people." Right? A nobody died, or I wouldn't have been making jokes about it. Right. No one died in these uh, this weather incident, but it shook me up, and I got you know for the next week, of course, thousands of angry tweets by people with the American flag in their mm-hmm. uh, profile. I've been there, baby. Uh, it was just exhausting, and then like the th- death threats start, and maybe you'd like it if somebody came to your house, you know, that kind of stuff. And sure enough, a buddy of mine sent it to me and was like, hey, just found out, didn't these guys uh, tweet at you about this? And they were Russian bots. It was a fake site that was stirring up all kinds of trouble and going after people. Oh, boy. And why they would go after me? It's were they the, were they the initial tweet? It wasn't really a Louisiana senator. They were fake. Well, it wasn't a senator. It was it was like the Louisiana uh, Republican Party. And that was fake. That was fake. Yeah, it was a bot. Louisiana senator. <laughs> yeah. I wish I was in politics in Louisiana so I could say that on the on the floor of the Senate. Louisiana, I, I addressed the senator. Why don't you put in the time to become one just to do it and then immediately quit? You know, when you suggested that, my first thought was, I bet it's not that hard no, not to really. become a senator in Louisiana. Clearly, it's not. <laughs> what was the distinguished gentleman about? That's the only Eddie Murphy movie I haven't seen, I think. It's, I also haven't seen The Haunted Mansion. Uh, <laughs> you did see Meet Dave, though, did you? I did see Meet Dave. Uh, or Starship Sheen. Dave. Is that what it's called? I think it's called Meet Dave. Meet Dave. Uh, the distinguished gentleman is he runs for office, but I think he actually is a politician. I don't think it's like I don't think it's like one of those things where like a guy that sells hot dogs runs right. for office. Like and head it, of state. Yeah. Which I, is funny. I think uh, I think uh, and I, I just I've seen parts of it and I remember being relieved that it was a return to some sort of funny form for Eddie Murphy. Because I, I know people consider Boomerang a classic. I didn't care for that turn. Sure. I didn't like that. I didn't want to see romantic lead Eddie Murphy. I wanted, like, you know, golden child Eddie Murphy. I wanted, like, the straight comedies. I got in an, an argument with the, the lovely uh, Tony Rock, brother of, of Chris, who cites, uh, you know, he is obsessed with Eddie Murphy and his favorite of his pictures, Boomerang. 
I, look, I couldn't I couldn't let it go. I just kept I was like, but you you must love Come to America. You must love trading right. places. Yeah, love it, love it, love it. I for a boomerang. But you know what? He was probably 13 when it came out. I think whatever you see when you're 13 is your favorite. No, no, no. See, see, I think that's the other way. I think if you were with Boomerang, I mean. Right. I agree with the 13 comment. But I think if you were 13 like I was and saw Boomerang, you hated it. But if you were a little older, you realized this was like a really smart comedy. But it was lost on me. I I didn't want to see it. He wasn't saying fuck. I wasn't having it. He wasn't playing four characters. Now, had he played (laughs) the romantic lead also yeah. in Boomerang and played the couple, then I would have enjoyed it. Well, he wasn't doing that shit at that point. Oh, come to America, he played a bunch of people. Yeah. What am I talking about? Then I would have enjoyed it, but I, not, you know, it, it, he's not putting a wig on. In fact, I just parted ways with my copy of Norbit, and oh. I'm starting to think I made a mistake. Clearly you made a mistake. You'll want to watch Norbit at some point. I, that's a movie I would give a second chance because it was fascinatingly bad. Norbit? To me. I left start to finish, but I got it when Blockbuster was going out of business and they had uh, they had these racks of DVDs. It was like you'd get four movies for $10 or something. Right. So I got Norbit and Precious, I remember, once in the same visit. I now I, have your copy of Precious. Yeah, I hadn't seen either. Yeah. Uh, and both were a single watch for me. Well, Precious, I get why you'd watch that <laughs> once. I, I actually really like Precious. <laughs> But uh, I enjoyed Norbit. I thought it was really funny, but I'm like, do he I need does it on play my an Asian shelf? Asian character in that movie, correct? Plays an old Asian man. Yeah, he plays uh, the nerd. Uh, he basically just does the role again from Bowfinger, right? And then he plays the. Boy, I thought he woman. was just great in Bowfinger in in both roles. Yeah, he's so funny as the nerd brother, and so like weird and specific and good. And he is also really, really funny as the movie star. Yeah, he, uh, he that whole opening sequence when he's going off about how racist Hollywood is. is oh, it's incredible. And then he shoots the symbol on his drum set with a gun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's it's pretty great. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty great. He you know, how many uh, how many Ks are in the script? He goes, I, I counted. There's three hundred or three thousand six hundred and ninety nine Ks. A number that's divisible by three. K K K. You gonna tell me that's not intentional? And they're gonna send this to me? <laughs> very funny he was i think he was it was kind of like supposed to be that paranoid like martin lawrence type vibe if that was happening at, during the age of bowfinger and i believe it was uh and i, I always love the line get my door as fast as you get tom hanks <laughs> yeah yeah that's a great line um it's very fun i mean he's sla- and i love steve martin he slaps steve martin around in that movie he's so much funnier than well steve, steve martin. martin gives himself almost nothing funny to do in the entire movie it's true he does like I mean, he has the best line in the whole movie or the funniest joke when he tells Heather Graham, we're done because you and he's furious. She goes, why? And he goes, you slept with so and so. And she goes, who cares? And he goes, I never thought of it that way. (laughs) Right. That's the funniest joke to me in the whole movie. Yeah. But that's like his only he gives himself nothing funny, really, in it. He had some decent bit. I I think it's a very good comedy script. And I think we've talked about Bowfinger probably more than any two people in the world. The scene is funny when he's in the. When he's trying to sell Robert Downey Jr. on the script. Yeah, with the cordless, with the cord. Yeah, that's very funny. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr., I mean, talk about a comeback for the ages. Jesus Christ. I mean, that guy was doing bit parts in Bowfinger. He was. It was all Iron Man. Uh, Speaking of movies, I'd like us to hit a, a segment we haven't hit in a while. All right. And why do I want us to hit it? Because I just saw our dear friend Karen Kilgariff. Yeah. Out in the... uh 
we were we couldn't think of what you would call it. She called it a causeway. That that you know that 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 sidewalk that you walk up in my building that sort of separates all the buildings. Why is it nobody has a cause on the causeway, but you park on the parkway? You don't park on the parkway. <laughs> I've just I've always heard that George Carlin bit. I'm like, is this that good a bit that we've been hearing about this for 25 years? Uh, Why do you drive on the parkway and park in the driveway? Oh, oh, that was. I'm a like, bit. okay, yeah, that's you know, fine. I thought you were really doing a bit. I was like, that's oh. like though. I don't know much about Carl, and my dad liked him, so I never really did. And I know him more as an actor. Sadly, I should I should hear all of this stuff. But that for that to be his most known bit, I think that's why I never dove it's, into it. It's not his no, most known bit. <laughs> it's the only one that I have been hearing for literally my entire life. It's one that gets quoted in a lot of joke books and shit because it's clean and it's clever and it's short. Sure. But it's it's that's not his most known bit. It's right. you know, there's better out there. Trust me, I'm a he, huge fan of the man. You know, uh, you know what he was in? Outrageous Fortune. Discussed on last week's episode. What the fuck did he play in that? Some burnout guide. You know, all right. Uh, I liked him in Jersey Girl. Okay, kind of Not playing the Colin movie. Quinn and Trainwreck role, right? Yeah, but he actually hits an emotional thing I've never seen him do in a movie, and okay. he's the only redeeming quality of that film. It's a bad, bad, bad. Barely movie. remember it, but yeah, it's terrible. I saw it. Uh, not opening night, but like the the rush hour on opening day, like five thirty. That was the only person in the theater. It's not good. Yeah, and I like Kevin Smith. I'm not trying to kick him down, but that's a bad flick. Uh, so anyway, I ran into Karen Kilgariff and the uh, the 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 DMZ, whatever the hell you would call this central area. We called it the DMZ when I was in college. I don't know why. It's the quad. Yeah. Uh, she was coming from recording my favorite murder. Right. Uh, give it a listen folks so they, I, they're gonna be in the fucking news this week they they seemingly caught that guy the guy the sacramento strangler yes i yeah that, well, that's what we talked about living down the street from the house heather my fiance grew up in well down the street <laughs> in citrus heights wow yeah now what are heather's ties to this case look there's gonna be a lot of questions when i get home i don't know <laughs> um Karen, here's where I'm bringing up Karen, other than it was nice seeing her. Yeah. She said, you motherfuckers, after, she was kidding. She wasn't being serious. Right. But she said, you motherfuckers, after all the support I've given to this podcast, you attack my Bloomberg <laughs> Scream V suggestion. Yes. Uh, and she said, she seemed particularly off-put. It's worse it. than what we thought it was. It's Bloomberg <laughs> Scream V. The scream is replacing the T? Terrible. <laughs> now, she did say, she was particularly off-put, it seemed, by us saying, at least call it Doomberg. Yeah. And then she said, look, a bad idea is a bad idea. <laughs> Which <laughs> is fair. Yeah. But... But I still stand by that Doomberg was a little bit of a better Doomberg is words. obviously better than, than Scream V. She texted me after Scream V. I said, I'm warming up to it a little bit. Because yeah. I am. It's For some reason, in writing, it seemed better. Yeah. Uh, but I said, I'm not only going to talk about this now on the show today, because I'm going to record, but I also want to discuss uh, a news story. Yeah. 
Uh, so it was good seeing Karen, and she was in great spirits, and so was I, and it was just nice running into her, quite frankly. But yeah, she was very... I saw, uh, saw the great Eddie Pepitone with her the other night. Had a lovely evening. You went with Karen to the Pepitone show? That's correct. That's nice. That's a nice night. Yeah. Um. All right. What was I... Oh, this news. And somehow, no TMZ attention when we left. <laughs> I saw a TMZ thing the other day. I, I hesitate. Well, she'll never hear this. It doesn't matter. I won't say names, but a comedian that I know, okay, from New York, yeah, post this thing on Instagram. Throwback Thursday to that time. TMZ snapped a picture of us all at lunch. The picture is her. Somebody I can't remember who I might have known the other person. I can't remember. Oh, it was my friend. Actually, I do remember. It's my buddy Gino. Okay. Uh, across from Gino is a guy that works for TMZ. Okay. Next to him is Artie Lang. <laughs> and she's uh-huh. somehow trying to make it sound like they had, you know, they had to get a shot of me. It was right. insane. It was obviously the- I'll need to know who that is off the air. Off the air. Someone said they don't care for it when we when we have off the air secrets and well, they feel you know, everything guys, should be out there, but it can't be. I, I love you. I love your support. Tough shit. You know, it's like you gotta <laughs> get Jesus Christ. We gotta have a fucking life. I'll tell you this. <laughs> I'm gonna talk about the show. I'm gonna keep it very brief. That's gonna be on the bonus app because the odds of anyone at CBS ever listening to this podcast are zero. But the odds of them paying to listen to it are less than zero. So if you want to hear me give my little synopsis of what went on, it's going to be on the on the bonus. All right. Talking about biblically, by the way. And the only. okay, I said the show. I mean, as if people know what the fuck I'm talking. about. Sounds good. Um, Here's the here's the uh, deadline. Deadline. Oh, Scream and Deadline. From Scream NN's 24-hour news psycho. Now, interestingly, the Scream is replacing the C in CNN, just as it replaced the T in TV. But Scream NN is much better. Well, because Scream ends with an with an MN sound, and yeah. you're, you're 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 it's it bleeds beautifully into that first end. It does. Uh, but Karen, we love you. Couldn't couldn't love her more. Um, Halloween 2018 test screening goes over poorly. With horror fans, we've been following this. Where this is on Deadline Hollywood? No, it was on MovieWeb.com. Oh, okay. Deadline is a play on headlines, right? But there's also the big. Yeah, well, but that they're not a part of this, and right. they never will be, as far as I'm no, concerned. It's a, it's a filth site. Um, here's what a source had to say. Uh, according to Horror Freak News, the new Halloween movie was given scores of fair to poor oh. at the test screening with oh. many noting that the movie is too long and that the ending is not very good at all. According to a source, I'm just reading the movie with no spoilers here. Okay. I assume no, according to a source who attended the test screening, considerable time is spent developing characters who don't last long, but that wasn't the worst news that had been reported about this Halloween screening. The source had this, this is to the, say. Uh, the the Danny McBride. McBride. Okay. Halloween suffers from a lack of continuity, with barely any exposition connecting this Halloween to its roots. Another person said 
or maybe this is the same source. The movie is aimed at modern horror. This was the thing that hurt when I read this. This movie is aimed at modern horror fans who enjoy franchises like The Purge and Sinister rather than nuanced or complex tapestry that Michael Myers aficionados are craving. I liked Sinister, but I also don't want Halloween to be Sinister. I want it to be Halloween. Um, I also can't imagine that those guys made that. I, I, I just don't believe it. And this, uh, these reports could be it could be a rough cut. It could be anything. But who knows? Maybe it sucks. Well, look, who knows? first cut is I'm assuming what they showed, which right. Jason Blum praised. And the trailer went up today, right? Did you watch it? No, it did. Believe it did. A lot of trailers went up today and I didn't watch any of them, but big I ones. I would love to see it. The ending. Here's another note. The ending is unsatisfying and hardly benefiting of and hardly befitting of something John Carpenter promises will be the last Halloween movie ever. Well, then they'll definitely reshoot the ending. Um, you know, and, and movie web mentions that, look, you know, reshoots could fix reported problems. Uh, and you know, you know, so who knows if they're going to do them or not, but this is also why, as they point out, test screenings are held. So, so who knows? But, uh, you know, there was another thing I read about it where it said like, yeah, there were some cool nods to like parts three and four, but it was basically them just recreating shots that you already saw in those movies as like homages to them. And it was like, yeah, I um, like the Halloween franchise. I don't care if it has nothing to do with the Halloween franchise. I just want it to be good. It's a direct sequel to part one. Right now here, this isn't really a spoiler. If you want to know absolutely nothing, plug your ears. But the premise apparently is, is that after he gets shot in part one, he was in fact abducted right and brought back to the institution right um or apprehended and brought back to the institution and apparently there's a line in the movie where they even say a bunch of kids say didn't Laurie Strode's brother kill all these people and another kid says that's just a thing people made up so they are getting rid of uh, all st- which I'm fine with I don't care yeah. it's a direct sequel to part 1 uh but that doesn't mean that it will have the uh, the 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 nuance or the whatever of of earlier Halloween films. Yeah, uh, my hope we'll was that they they just brought the same spirit of their comedies, which is like pushing the absolute envelope over to horror without that becoming what Rob Zombie did, which is just mashing your face into misery. Right. Um, because I think they made one masterpiece of a movie, Observe and Report, and I think that they made one masterpiece of a TV show, Eastbound and Down. I I have high hopes, and I, I you know some test screening of people in Orange County or whatever doesn't really affect me. Well, we will see. Uh, now, in, in in a different side of things, the new Puppet Master movie called Puppet Master: The Littlest Reich, who, which was written by the guy that wrote. Uh, Schindler's List. No, but the guy that wrote Brawl and Selbach 2099 and... Uh, what? And uh, and uh, Bone Tomahawk. He wrote the latest Puppet Master script, and it's a reboot. It stars... Oh, it's a bigger budget reboot. Well, it is going to see some theaters because apparently it's that good. 
Uh, was Thomas, this an early script this guy wrote? There's no way he wrote those movies that are getting him all this heat. And I then, mean, look, the first movie was written by David Ayer or whatever, the guy that wrote like The Dark Knight. But uh, unless this was like a, a, a juicy theatrical reboot or he had the script lying around, somebody on that trajectory who also wrote this new Vince Vaughn, Mel Gibson police brutality movie. Right. Is not doing the new puppet master. Something maybe happened. He, look, maybe he is because he thought, I know how to make this awesome. I don't know. Right. Maybe he's a big fan. But anyway, he wrote it. It stars Thomas Lennon. Thomas uh, Lennon? Yeah, it's screened recently, and I think... This, this thing's blowing my mind. Yeah, I know. It's weird, right? And but not it, it's not a comedy. It's 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 got humor in it, I All think, right. but they said that it is fucking brutal. Uh, and the only note I read that gave me any insight to the script was it said Udo Kier, the guy from Human Centipede, yeah. he's in it. They said the opening scene or his opening scene is him going Wait. into a bar and giving a monologue that would, quote, make the PC police shake in their boots. <laughs> so apparently uh-huh. it's a pretty raw flick. Well, that guy, that guy, something there's something going on with all those movies, as we discussed. He's he's uh, a button pusher. And I think this police brutality movie that seems to be from the side of the police might be what finally pushes this into some uncomfortable territory. I'm I'm all for it. Anything where I go to a movie and I'm like, whoa, what the fuck? I, I love it. Well, and that's what, you know, I was having friend, lunch with my friend Joanne the other day who works at Netflix. And, and I said, one of the things I like about Netflix it, 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 a lot is that Everything presented on there is without explanation. It's between two points of a of a piece of art, and it's hey, this is what it is. It exists between these two pillars, and I think that's what art should be. You you should not agree with all of it. You can make a movie about a hateable person mm-hmm. if you're if the point is is to explore what makes a person like that tick. And everybody doesn't have to like it, and everybody doesn't have to see it. But at the end of the day, art is art. So I agree with you. You think everything on Netflix follows that model? I don't think, obviously, I don't think everything that's made for Netflix, people are saying art is art. But I do think that they showcase a lot of stuff that is very challenging that you wouldn't see anywhere else. You know, the Rocco Sofredi documentary comes to mind, which we talked about on here. Sure. Sure. You know, it's hard to find a, a documentary these days that doesn't take some sort of specific narrative or right. or or a propensity towards one of the one side of the argument. Right. So I, I you know I just appreciate that that's a place where you can still find stuff that I'm, is I'm, moderate. I had a meeting over there the other day. It was like uh, a hotel lounge. There was like three hundred people in the lobby waiting to go upstairs. Yeah, I guess to make they're they're deeply in debt. I guess they're going to try to fix that soon. But they, I mean, there's things on there like people have no idea they exist. I bet there are things that have never been streamed on Netflix. I'd like them to slow down the output a they little could slow bit. Slow it down, but, but also make more <laughs> that I like. More right. for me. Right. I log in every time I'm staring at Paul Rudd in mute and, and deciding not to watch it. That's every day. Is and the then I log out and watch mute? something else. Mute, it's the guy that made Moon supposed to be pro pedophile is all i've heard about it <laughs> but it's a i love moon and it's supposed to have the sam rockwell character in like a nod to moon in the movie but i just can't bring myself to watch it rockwell's got a flick on there i've never even heard of 
where he's in a wig with some kind of goatee on, and it looks like sort of like a comedy. Don Verdine. Yeah. That's from uh, the, the guy who did Napoleon Dynamite. It is? Who I think has very quietly made a series of really funny little movies oh, that well, then like, I'll, I'll watch, they get no I, attention. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on you. No, it's fine. Don Verdine is, is pretty funny, and like Gentleman Broncos, yes. very funny. Yes. Napoleon Dynamite, obviously hilarious. Um, Masterminds with Galifianakis was bad. That's the Napoleon Dynamite guy, but but not unwatchable. It had funny bits. He just he's a guy who sometimes goes a little too broad with the the wigs, the glasses, the hats. But he's a funny director, uh, a funny well, writer. I, I want to watch this now. I already wanted to see it because I love love Sam Rockwell so much. He's my favorite current actor, next to a Giamad. Giamad. Uh, but uh, now I really want to see it because Don Verdine's got some laughs. All right, Jared Hess. Mormon filmmaker. You want to roll us over to the movie corner? Because we're about 30 minutes in already. Sure. And I think we are uh, essentially there. We've been discussing movies. We're kind of in it, which is good because I, I haven't seen much. But I will say... Uh, this is for, for the Joe fans. You're going to enjoy this. This is a rare moment of weakness for me. I, I saw a quiet place again because Heather had not seen it. Oh, hold on. Let me bask in this. Well, a big part of it is probably you shitting on it. <laughs> and then you, it's impossible to not hear your voice as if you were sitting behind me like, really? <laughs> you believe this? Uh, but seeing it a second time in Santa Monica at some shitty fucking theater out there at 5 p.m. when it was daylight with six people in the theater, as opposed to that like big thumping Saturday night crowd, mm-hmm. the flaws showed more. The flaws showed more. And I saw it on a Sunday afternoon with not a packed theater and people weren't going crazy. I think that probably, you know, that probably helped. When I saw that Saturday night, there is something to be said for that big theatrical experience. Sure. But when people are like, you have to see it that way, that is the marker of a movie that's not necessarily standing on its own. <laughs> but comedies and horror are the two genres that are always better with a big audience. There's no way to deny that. I will say I still liked it. I still think it's a well-made movie. But there are a lot of things that don't quite add up. And that's when they, all I was trying to when say. When they stumble upon that old couple was the new one for me this time. I was like... Did this old man just discover his wife was dead and then just start screaming the second Krasinski walks up when we didn't even know there were other people alive in the world? It was there's too many coincidences. I, I will grant you. Um, and also they do know people are alive in the world because they do the beacon fire at the beginning yeah, of the right. movie and all the other fires go off. So that's right. It's I I, I guess that was supposed to be a glimpse into how people might react to this situation poorly. Right. But like, why would he scream in that second? You know, it's just crazy. I don't know. But by the way, right after we recorded, and I forgot to mention this, a meme did come out that was like, that was basically my point, which was like, I'm not saying it was based on my point. I'm just saying like that agreed with my point, which was basically like, you know, we can't use the top hat and monopoly, but screaming baby, no problem, you know, or whatever sure. endanger the whole family. So, well, that that is still the one aspect of it. I completely disagree with you on. I, I think that All right. 
if if you want to look at it politically, it's a commentary on people bringing babies into this sick fucking world that we're in now. Yeah, but the people bringing the babies in don't have the insight to go. Everything is terrible. The people are going. Well, root dootin' tootin'. That's true. I mean, <laughs> I, I think also you know I, we we already discussed this. They, yeah, they just right. fucked. You know, people let's, fuck. Let's save movie corner then. Let's skip. Let's skip past it. Okay. Because we got to get into. I I, I want to spend a little well, time. No, let me let me do the one I saw. All right, then I'll do the one I saw, and then you can. Because <laughs> it'll be out of. Th- I think it already is out of theaters. But I saw Lean on Pete. Okay. <laughs> it is uh, a movie about a boy and his beloved horse, but it's rated R, but it does not contain horse fucking. And uh, it's Buscemi. It's uh, who's the girl who sucked off Vincent Gallo? Chloe Savigny. <laughs> She's a fantastic first, actress in her own that's right. That's the first line in her bio. <laughs> you know her as the girl who sucked off Vincent Gallo. I mean that such an incredible actress. No, I mean she's a good actress. She's been she's been a good actress in a lot of great indie movies for years and years. And to blow Vincent Gallo on camera, you have to know people are going to think of you as that. I have never heard one nice thing about Vincent Gallo. Every no, person no, no. I've ever heard that met him said he's a fucking asshole. He like, wrote some wild uh, yeah. thing. You got to read that he, he posted everywhere that he wrote. He's supposed to be a nightmare. Um. Yes. Anyway. It was, it's been, you know, it's got 100% Rotten Tomatoes, this thing. Yeah, Moshe Kasher asked me if I wanted to go see this. I was like, ah. Lean on Pete. A horse movie? Yeah. Not, not really. Let's go see, like, uh, Hereditary or something. Well, that's not out yet. I'm dying to see that. Yeah. Uh, it's Andrew Heith, who's this, uh, it's H-E-I-G-H. I don't know how you pronounce it. But he's made very, you know, critically acclaimed small movies. And um, it was entertaining i i guess it was very kind of slow um i saw it because i was sort of looking to cry i feel like i walk around very tightly wound and pent up uh-huh. and i was looking for some form of release uh-huh. and um boy i gotta tell you it didn't didn't take me there uh i, I just I, I don't know i don't know why all the praise for it it's just a little movie about a kid who likes his horse and he's trying to bring it across the country but okay you know, i also don't understand why you wouldn't why you would make that movie r i don't know what to say there about was it. literally I, nothing about it that was r yeah a fuck here a fuck there language um and that's you know they say fucking pg-13 movies anymore they do i was kind of i was kind of thrown by it. said fuck in our movie today ready player one that's right uh, I also watched Motion uh, Legero special, which I enjoyed. I got I still got to see it. I'm very behind. Uh, I thought they were each funny on their own, and then they they were really good with the off the cuff material. And the it's a and it's a, a a conceit I hadn't seen. Go, she goes a half hour. He goes a half yeah. hour. A half hour together. I liked it. Go watch them do their thing. They're 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 a lovely couple and very funny. Honeymoon special. Uh, and her her like mother, Natasha's motherhood. Posts on Instagram are the funniest things, like the funniest. I don't follow her. I'll have to check it out. She'll literally, like, I'm, I'm sort of paraphrasing, but she'll literally post like a picture of her breastfeeding, and it'll say like "Watch by Dior." Uh-huh. <laughs> right? They're really fucking funny, man. All right. Uh, you know. Uh, anyway, um, 
The uh, anyway, so uh, I saw you know that I watch Gotham fairly religiously. Uh, I've been keeping up with it. This is a big spoiler if you don't want to know, but I'm assuming if you're a fan, you would have seen this already or know this already. But they finally revealed the Joker. It was awesome. I apparently the last three episodes of this season will be like a Joker arc. Who portrays the Joker? Uh, the kid that was still per- Nicholson. It's still Nicholson, but everybody else is very young. It's uh in a yeah in a rare, yeah. It's Nicholson has reprised <laughs> the role. The uh, have you seen him anything. now? Like yeah. and and look, whenever they get on some like seventy five year old man who's been amazing for like sixty years because he put on a gut. Like shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like whose dad doesn't have a fucking gut at this point? You know, he, yeah, he looks like everybody's grandfather. Right. But you know he still does coke, so you're it's weird. <laughs> but <laughs> lately, when he's sitting on the sidelines at those Lakers games. Yeah, he's I mean, he doesn't he a comb hasn't touched that hair. He looks on shower. He'll eat a foot long sandwich. <laughs> like I I mean, I'm loving what he's what he's doing. And then he won't act. He's like, I'm sick of fucking Oh, now I can't eat for three months because I got to be in a movie. I'm not doing it anymore. Yeah, like, all right. All it's right, uh, uh, the kid that. Sorry, per- I interrupted. You. That's all right. The kid that portrays the Joker is the kid that also portrayed the red herring for the Joker for the last two or three seasons, whatever it's been. They had a character on the show uh, named uh, Jeremiah something what the f- God, of course i'm blanking now hold on talk for a second i don't care nobody cares what the guy's name is Jim. well no I, I i like to just be accurate you know we're never never been accurate on this podcast about it most things uh well the kid's a good actor oh you're getting the i thought you were getting the character's name uh i should know that too i'm a little embarrassed that i can't remember his name but uh how is it not oh for christ's sakes gotham joker hold on Oh, boy. Actor. Here we go. All right. Gotham Joker actor. Cameron. People, people often ask if you could have if you could play one minute of your podcast to like really hook people. What would it be? I think it would be this. Minute. <laughs> you Cam- looking for Jeremiah's last name. Cameron Monaghan. Monaghan. I don't know how to say that. But anyway, for the last few years, he's been playing who everybody thought was going to be the Joker. He was a kid with red hair who was crazy that laughed all the time. And they kept doing Joker storyline stuff with him. Like there was a thing where he had his face ripped off and he had to have his face reattached. Okay. He says in one episode, all you need is one bad day to go crazy, which is the most famous Joker line ever. They were doing Not in any of the movies, is it? It's from the it's from the killing joke, which is the okay. very, very famous Alan right. Moore comic. Um, so anyway, they this was, you know, and he also was sort of doing a Heath Ledgery kind of thing. Uh, and so everybody thought like, well, clearly this is the Joker. Uh, and then in an episode, they revealed that he had a twin brother who was actually the opposite of him, who was very successful and very straight laced and was the reason this kid got thrown into like a mental asylum when he was a child. Okay. So he says to his brother, I'm going to kill you, but I'm going to make you go. I'm going to drive you mad first. And at the end of the episode, this kid who you think is the Joker reveals they're going to spray these gases on Gotham to make people laugh to death and go crazy. Again, a Joker plot line. And uh, he ends Ridge Batman. Yeah, he ends he ends up dying. And after he's dead, his brother, who's straight laced and successful, returns to his home 
and finds a package that he thinks is from Bruce Wayne. He opens it, gas sprays him in the face, and he goes crazy. Gotcha. And uh, it ends with the crazy smile, and you're like, oh, his brother is the Joker. Okay. Uh, pretty, pretty fucking cool. Pretty cool way also, too, to give fans like a rehashing of Joker shit they're already familiar with. Right. And then say, okay, now the real Joker is going to come in and it'll be different, but you won't you won't be disappointed because we've already given you all the other stuff. So hopefully like you, you like the new take, but, uh, it was, it's been a great show. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, I don't doubt it. I, I, I've never spoken to anyone who's seen it. Nobody watches it. Yeah. Uh, the ratings continue to sink. Yeah. But every actor on it is terrific. And once in a while, there's a bad or cheesy episode that feels like a bad crime uh-huh. you know show or whatever but most of the time it's pretty great and mm-hmm. i really like it uh anyway let's get to our movie we're at 40 minutes all right and i check so right now as this podcast goes we are accumulating q a questions this month's patreon bonus app will be joe and i each answering all of the questions that are posed to us on the facebook page during the hour we're recording this episode um joe was concerned it might it might go crazy i just looked we're at a nice 30 questions i think we'll be fine yes i agree uh ready player one i have no idea what you think about this movie i don't know what you think of it either it's rare that we uh, we don't let it slip. I, to give my little Siskel and Ebert overview, I felt that Ready Player One was Spielberg, a legend, a true filmmaking legend that I think can be up, considered up there with your Hitchcocks, et cetera. Is getting a little long in the tooth. His movies are feeling like retreads of his other stuff. And this was his attempt to kind of get back in with the youth market. I think it was not entirely successful. I thought there was some corny shit. Sort of like an AI, which is a movie I hated on first viewing, liked the second. But it felt like the entire movie was in that center section where they go and like Chris Rock is there for some reason. Remember that in AI? I forgot it's that like Chris a, Rock was in it, but yeah. Like a weird like battle bots. Uh, yeah, yeah, I do remember that part, yeah. It felt like all that. So for me, the movie, especially in its first half, there's a great chase up front, was visually spectacular at times. Uh, I liked some of the soundtrack choices. The nostalgic choices got a little old, a little repetitive. Um, for me, I kept thinking, I wish I had seen this high. I wish I had seen this in 3d. I have talked to friends who loved that. They saw it that way. I found myself as with a lot of these two hour, 30 minute things now, maybe even longer found myself checking that time real early and often. I thought there was zero personal connection to these characters. The lead kid was a nothing. Um, the lead girl was nothing to me the subplot about the bill gates like character uh who runs the thing with simon Pegg was nothing i did not care about any of these people 
And at the end, then when they tried to make it this Spielbergian, like, oh, aren't you moved? Aren't your heartstrings pulled? I was like, oh, they were even, they were going for that. Like it all just felt tacked on and yeah. weird. It lacked a human connection, a human element to me, and that for that reason I couldn't get into it. Although I, I liked some things about it. Uh, well, first off, if you if you don't know the movie. Or the book. It's based on a book. The book is very popular. I have several friends that have read the book that say it's one of the most amazing books they've ever read. Okay. Uh, the kid is apparently obsessed with the 80s. Right. As is the guy that created this virtual reality space called the Oasis, which is why whenever the kid does anything in the virtual reality world, he does it based on something from the 80s. For some reason, they put that line in one of the trailers. They took it out of the fucking movie. This is this is where I scratch my head with shit like this. It's two seconds to put that line in the fucking movie, and it makes the movie make so much more sense to somebody who's not understanding of what's going on already. Two seconds in a movie that's running like 240. So, yeah. Because so, that wasn't clear to me at all. No. So if you don't know that, it seems like it's very imbalanced and you're kind of scratching your head like, why is everything sorted from the 80s, but it's not everything is and whatever. Right. Um, uh, but anyway, it's about a place, a world where you can go into this place called the Oasis and live in virtual reality. And the guy that invented it hides his fortune in it after he dies. And it's a race to find it. So there's an evil corporation trying to find it. Um so they can dominate everything, and then there's this kid who's very golden ticket and Willy Wonka. I mean, yes, same exact thing. Very, very Willy Wonka. Uh, I was happy to s- look. The movie starts with the song "Jump" by Van Halen. I was smiling. I was like, "Okay, this is cool." Right. Uh, I was into it. The first race that they have was pretty fucking cool. Very like cool. the kids driving the DeLorean from Back to the Future. All this was cool. Ben Mendelsohn shows up as the bad guy. I'm like, "All right, man, this is going to be great." And then at about the 25-minute mark, T.J. Miller strolls in as the bad guy. <laughs> America's sweetheart. Uh, it ruins it. I texted you immediately. I go, T.J. Miller just ruined this movie for me. He comes in as this like sc- imposing, frightening-looking right. skull monster guy. And then it's T.J. And then the gag is it's T.J. Miller. Right. And it's his voice. And it's him going, I've got a neck thing. I think I need to see a specialist. My neck's been killing. And it's like, this is exactly the kind of humor that I fucking hate. This is exactly the kind of humor that ruins movies like this. It is out of place. It is bad. It is obvious that somebody was brought in to write this and punch it up and try to make it funny. It's not funny. It's out of place. uh, And it's stupid. And from there on out, I was like, oh, well, here we go. And from there on out, it just became more and more evident to me that, and I'm pained to say this because I'm a huge Spielberg fan as well. And I'm afraid because I'm excited for the the next Indiana Jones movie. I'm excited for it. I want to see Harrison Ford send off the character and I want to see him do it well. But I will say this, and it's something I never thought I'd say. Spielberg is not good anymore at making popcorn movies. He's not good at it anymore. He's That's great true. at making like these these like Russian spy films. He's fucking phenomenal at that. He goes into these things. You could tell his heart's not in it. It's yeah. paint by numbers for him at, at this point. And uh, the movie was boring. I didn't give it, a shit about the characters. It was boring. Even anything. The only character I kind of cared about was Ben Mendelsohn, like 
because I thought he was a decent villain. And then even in the end, he just portrays his own character and doesn't take the golden orb from the kid when he finds it or whatever. Right. Which was stupid. The the ragtag team that they assemble, it, it so makes you appreciate these like the you know the Goonies and all these movies that Spielberg used to do and produce. Like those two Asian brothers, they have zero personality. There, there's yeah. nothing interesting at all about them. Lena Waith, who is a a television writer, suddenly playing this this role. I I wasn't even aware she was an actor. She, and she's is she the, the lead girl or woman? No, she's she was she's the black girl, and she's she her she's for most of the movie the ogre, and then you realize right. that it's her. She's a television writer. She's a TV. She won an Emmy for Master of None with Aziz Ansari, <laughs> and I I'm like what like what because she. She didn't bring anything to the movie either. Uh, and then the lead kid, the main kid, is 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 kind of nothing too. The I, main kid is the romantic lead, which I found out after I saw the film in the book when she says, "You don't want to. I don't want to meet you in real life because you'll be disappointed." Yeah, I found it in the book. She actually is sort of unpleasant looking, I, and she has a reason to want to hide herself uh, because she's self conscious. I mean, and then in the movie, they just take a pretty girl and they just put a birthmark over her eye that's fine you it know, it's been, not even a brown birthmark it's like a light red it almost looks good it would have been so much more fucking interesting if this was like an actual unattractive person yeah it's fucking hollywood the girl's beautiful shit um there i don't know man i i i i would say 25 minutes is exactly right i was like i am on board with this and then i was just immediately off oh, the movie sucked it was tedious and endless, and uh, I, I wasn't into it. And there there were really no highlights after that first half hour. Here's another thing I learned from my friend Brian, who told me the thing about the, the female character, too. He said the cool thing about the book is almost the entire book takes place in the Oasis. Right. So it's interesting because it's the writer is showing you how he creates stakes in a virtual reality world, and that's what makes it so cool. He goes, all that shit where, like, they're in the van yeah. driving him around town. So he goes, none of that is in the book. He goes, this movie, so much of it took place in the real world, and none of that's in the book. That driving around in the van with those characters I just discussed, that last half hour is so boring. It's so boring. Also a big part and of this movie. Why would they invent it? If the, if the book is, is A, beloved, and B... So apparently very well written and exciting. Why would they fuck with it? Look, Harry Potter didn't fuck with those books. They yeah. did every word of those books. And then and then another thing is, too, is that this whole film is about how the this virtual reality world has made interconnectivity. Yeah. Has taken it to the next level, has made people live their dreams. You could be, you know, you could be anybody you want and go anywhere you want. Planet to planet, whatever, no matter where you actually live. And then when the shit goes down for the main character, all of his best friends just happen to live down the street from him. Right. And they just come and they can help him and there's no problem whatsoever. And they all also happen to be very capable, nimble people in real life as well. That yeah. movie fucking stunk. God, I hated it. It did. You know, when I, I'll pop into the Facebook page now and then and, and be like, you know, what do you guys think of this? What do you guys think of that? And I'll, I'll say, I liked it. I didn't like it. I, I just threw up a didn't like it. And 
people seemed angry. People do like the movie. I thought you were going to tell me you liked it. I was getting ready to. Well, I, w- I will say when I was watching it, I was like, Joe was either going to absolutely love this. You are a nostalgic man, particularly for the 80s, or hate it. And here now we know. Now, the, what did you think of the lengthy segment where they go into the movie The Shining? And do you know if that's in the book? That I don't know if it's in the book. That was the only part in the movie that captivated me. Uh, I thought that was, it was pretty damn cool. It was cool. Somebody ruined it reminded it me of me. Back of the Future 2 when they go into Back of the Future 1. Yeah. Which I thought was a genius idea. I loved it, but somebody spoiled it for me. So okay. I was it wasn't a surprise. I knew it was coming. I liked that a lot. And also at the same time, I was like, The Shining was made in nineteen eighty or made in the seventies, released in nineteen eighty, but that that feels to me not like an, a classic eighties movie. I feel like Spielberg is close with Kubrick's family and was probably like, We can get that one. Yeah. Um I liked all the Back to the Future nods. I like that yeah. it played like the music. It would play little musical phrases from Back to the Future. Right. Um, that stuff like we got to use the Zemeckis twist or whatever. I mean, th- some of these things feel like Spielberg like at, at his millionaire's club weekend <laughs> trying to impress his buddies. And it, it there, there comes an age where that kind of stuff doesn't look good on you. And Spielberg is at at the age where this is this movie wasn't his, you know. This movie was not something he should have made. He I don't maybe he plays video games, I doubt it. I it felt right. like something where he could kind of let people handle all the effects and like I don't know, n- none of it none of it had his usual flair for character, for heart, for anything. No, right? it was it was Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Except not as good. I never saw Wreck-It Ralph because I knew once I got past the references, I wouldn't give a shit anymore. You'd, I bet you'd like Wreck-It Ralph. All right. Oh, well, you don't like cartoons, and neither do I, but Wreck-It I'll Ralph's give it a shot. pretty good. I'll give it a shot, but uh, this was, I mean, this is this had to be a licensing nightmare. Oh, sure. So that's the other reason you don't make a book like this into a movie, because then there's references repeating right? And you're too much, and you're like, why do they keep going back to this goddamn thing that's not that interesting? Right. So, One of the best ways I've seen this kind of thing done, and I, I was who knows how much that cost to do, but it was Who Framed Roger Rabbit. It's because at the end they had the Looney Tunes characters and the Disney characters yeah. like together, which you would never see, um, and it felt seamless. They they tapped on it. This felt like only that. Well, also too, there was there were stakes. Funny enough, there were stakes in Roger Rabbit. Huge there were stakes. No the, stakes. The fate of Los Angeles. There were no stakes in this to me. I was just like, I know the kid's going to find the fucking orb. Yeah. Even at the end, when the when he meets the Bill Gates guy in in the real in the virtual world, and the Bill Gates guy goes, he goes, wait a minute, or the kid says to the Bill Gates guy, wait a minute, you're not dead, are you? Yeah. What wait, what are you? And he goes, well, we'll see. And what, and you're like, what? Right. What? And what, what is, is that happening? guy's name? I don't know. He's a great actor though. I don't like him. Uh, I thought he was very good in it. Well, he's become, you know, Scorsese's De Niro or now Scorsese's DiCaprio. Wait. Oh, the kid, you mean? No, I'm talking about the guy who played the Steve Jobs guy. He's been in like four Spielberg. He was in, he played the BFG. Right. He was in Bridge of Spies. Right. But what's his name? I don't know. Can we look it up? Yeah, sure. He's a really good actor. I Wait, think, who is he? In I Sp- think he's fine. Oh, he's Spielberg's DiCaprio. Yeah. I you said Scorsese's. I was no. like, wait, what? Just like Scorsese has his. Oh. I probably did, but that's what I meant. Just like Scorsese has his De Niro. Whatever. Uh, 
and I just always like Spielberg can get any actor in the world. So when the, I see this guy again wearing a wig to make him look younger, I'm like, just why couldn't we have gotten a different actor? He's really good in that role. I believed he was that guy, but uh, all right, his name is uh, Mark Rylance. Mark Rylance, yeah. Ty Sheridan is the lead, who also was in. Uh, he played Cyclops in X Men Apocalypse. Yeah. Uh, and he was also in, oh, well, look what we have here. The Tree of Life. <laughs> I like Tree of Life. I can't stand that fucking movie. Uh, he was also in Mud. Yeah, he was good in Mud. Mud I, is what? He was good in Mud. No, Mud is what, though? Oh, it's uh, McConaughey. Oh, okay. It's a little, like, southern noir kind of thing. All right. Well, anyway, there you go, folks. Ready Player One. Uh Thanks for being here with us. Uh, go watch By Night Origins on Amazon Prime if you're a horror anthology fan or if you're just a horror fan. Show us some love if you could. Uh, also, I'll be opening for... Oh, no, that already happened. And uh, I'm doing a show with Burr, but it already happened by the time this goes up. Uh, I'll be at Rooster Tea Feathers last weekend of uh, May in the old Silicon Valley. All right. Um... I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Patrick Walsh. Uh, I am sorry for telling you last Monday to watch my favorite episode of the show because it did not air. And uh, maybe it'll air in the summer. I don't know. Uh, that's the one with the folks jokes in it. Maybe America wasn't ready to hear folks on a large scale. Uh, we will be back next time with something else. I don't know what just yet. Perhaps Stir of Echoes. If you haven't seen that, dust it off. And uh, please do check out our Patreon bonus where we'll be answering your questions. Till next time, we will see you in hell. That was a HeadGum Podcast. <laughs>